0: Welcome to the tag your it. Podcast today, we are just going to jump right in and go on into the debate. I want to thank you if you have joined us. Of course, this is me, Dave. Uh, we didn't let Adam uh, no. welcome himself in, uh, nor did we let Brandon welcome himself in just yet. I'll let uh, you all know. Of course, Adam, Ray, Ray, uh, Brandon. He will introduce himself here as we jump into the debate. But before we get right into the debate proper, I want to just give you a few little pieces right off the get go that I think will be helpful for you today. Now, remember. Remember that the proposition that we are debating is a very simple one. It is resolve Freemasonry, excuse me, resolve Freemasonry is consistent with a Christian worldview. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think I typed it in wrong. So <laughs> sorry. Resolve Freemasonry is consistent with a Christian worldview. Sorry, in my notes, I had put it down wrong. Now, uh, as we get into the debate, uh, I want to encourage you to. Well, uh, listen to the arguments, listen to both sides, uh consider what they say. If you get a chance, grab a piece of paper and kind of flow or take notes to make sure that different arguments were addressed and wanna encourage you to do that. Um, just let me give you the format real quick for the debate before we jump in. It's real simple, and, uh, of course, Adam has it put up on the screen here for you. And the debate format is as follows. Um, Brandon will begin with a nine-minute affirmative constructive speech that will be followed by Adam uh, giving a or asking for or delivering his five-minute of cross-examination where he'll be asking Brandon questions. After... Um, Adam does his cross-examination, then he will jump into a 10-minute constructive speech, negative constructive speech, after which Brandon will have a 5-minute cross-examination of Adam, and that'll be followed up by a 7-minute rebuttal by Brandon, and then a 7-minute rebuttal by Adam. After that, we're going to have something called open dialogue, where the two will spend some time not uh, directly debating so much as discussing and asking each other questions. After that 15 minutes is over, we'll have a five-minute negative closing statement from Adam, followed by a six-minute closing statement by Brandon. Now, here's the cool thing. After we finish the debate propter, we are going to have a time of audience Q&A. We'd like to invite you to post your questions on the Facebook page, uh, particularly on the video, the live feed video. We want to know what your questions are for each of them and let us know at the beginning of the post who the question is directed to. Uh, If the question is directed to Adam, he will get a minute to respond and then Brandon will get 30 seconds to respond to adam's response so it should be a lot of fun so i hope that you are ready to participate with us i hope that you're encouraged uh, by this debate and i hope that you play close attention um we're really fortunate to get to have Brandon on here. And so with that said, uh, I also, Brandon wanted to share with you and Adam, I will be giving you both uh, one minute and 30 second verbal warnings so that you know uh, when your time is coming to the end. So with that said, the next little piece we have is Brandon is going to introduce himself. You know, Adam, uh, if you follow the podcast, you know who he is. So no reason for him to introduce himself, but we are going to let Brandon introduce himself and Brandon, whenever you're ready, to begin your case, just let me know and I will start the stopwatch.
1: Well, my name is Brandon Mullins, and I'm a uh, Christian digital advertising professional based in Westland, Michigan. Uh, I serve on the mission board of Alpha Baptist Church in nearby Livonia, where I attend with my wife and four children. I've led numerous community organizations and am an advocate for civic engagement and fraternal life. Uh, I went to college at Eastern Michigan University, where I focused on Internet technology and its impact on socialization. I delivered my presentation, The End of Anonymity, How the Internet is Getting to Know the Real You, as a part of EMU's 2012 Undergraduate Symposium. As a as a result of this research uh, and my Christian faith, I entered a career in Christian media to assist the church in understanding and utilizing this modern media landscape. Uh, but despite my professional focus on the internet, I have a passion for traditional forms of civic engagement, actively participating in a wide range of community organizations. Uh, in 2017, I co founded Detroit's only registered Great Books group, uh, currently on hiatus, which operates out of the uh, Detroit Masonic Temple Library. In Freemasonry, I hold membership in my local Masonic Lodge, a chapter of Royal Arch Masons, a Council of Knight Masons, a Council of Allied Masonic Degrees, a Council of Royal and Select Masters, an Ark of Royal Arch Mariners, a Commandery of Knights Templar, a York Rite College, and the Royal Order of Scotland, among others. In scouting, I'm currently Cub Master of my local pack. Just getting back from uh, the 2019 Rendezvous, which, if I'm a little tired, that's exactly why. Uh, I'm a Brotherhood member of the Order of the Arrow, and in the past year, I've received the Daniel Carter. Beard Masonic Scouter Award for my contributions to the scouting and Freemasonry, along with the Knight Commander of the Zerubbable Award for my service to Knight Masonry. Uh, I feel that traditional civic and fraternal organizations support the mission of the church by creating community bonds, disinterested friendship, and deep interpersonal relationships that can serve as a means to share the love of Christ. I've never participated in a formal debate on this subject or any other, but after I got David's invitation, I thought it might be fun. So thanks to Adam for taking this up debate, and I look forward to giving this a shot, uh, Here's hoping I don't, you know, screw up the format too much, but uh, I'm going to give it the old college try. So thanks, guys.
0: Hey, no problem. I will be as graceful as possible. I know you guys are going to enjoy this uh, challenge. So whenever you are ready, just go ahead and start and I'll start the timer. And I would encourage you, Brandon, if you've got a timer there in front of you, uh, be sure to start it as well. And I'll give you one minute and 30 second cues.
1: All right, I'm ready to go. So my goal here is to successfully make the argument that one can be a Christian and a Mason consistently. That is different than arguing that Freemasonry is a Christian institution. I submit that Freemasonry is explicitly secular, and while it may have begun as a Christian institution, it later became one which allowed members of essentially any religion. In this process, however, the Christian ministers which wrote the Constitutions which opened Freemasonry to men of any religion did not introduce any component contrary to the Christian faith, and thus gave no cause for a Christian to refrain from joining Freemasonry. Freemasonry, like any secular institution should be held to a very simple standard. Will joining this institution cause me or others to sin? I submit that it does not, and thus, a Christian Mason, and thus a Christian can be a Mason consistently. To make my argument, I must establish the definitions I'll be using. There are numerous terms related to the subject of Freemasonry, and it is important to be clear on what I'm discussing in order to avoid confusion. This evening, unless otherwise noted, when I speak of Freemasonry, I'll be referring to what is called regular Freemasonry, as defined by the Grand Lodge of Michigan. Freemasonry is made up of sovereign Grand Lodges, which charter local lodges, and as a Michigan Mason, I only recognize the Grand Lodges, lodges, and members that the Grand Lodge of Michigan does. However, the Grand Lodge of Michigan is a part of a wide network of mutual recognition, often referred to as regular Freemasonry, which includes, but is in no way governed by, the United Grand Lodge of England. Regular Grand Lodges are not identical and may vary significantly in ritual and bylaws, but their institutions and landmarks, what you might call key principles, are considered similar enough that the respective members of each grand jurisdiction all recognize at one Another as Freemasons. I'm familiar with a number of regular jurisdictions, but ultimately I'll be speaking from the perspective of a Michigan Mason. Like the vast majority of states, our lodges use our own variant of a ritual assembled by Thomas Smith Webb, which is often referred to as the York or American Rite Craft Degree ritual, in contrast to the Scottish Rite Craft Degree ritual generally associated with French Freemasonry, and to my knowledge, only regularly practiced in the U.S. and Louisiana. It is also the case that when I speak of Freemasonry, I'm referring to Freemasonry's practiced in craft or blue lodges, which culminates with the Master Mason or Third Degree. Despite what you may have heard, the Third is the highest degree in Freemasonry. The remainder degrees, some numbered, some not, are found in what are called appendant bodies, separate organizations that are optional for masons to join. Grand Lodges vary on which appendant bodies they recognize, but one can be a Mason, uh, one can be a Mason, and in fact Grand Master of Masons without joining any of them. So far as ritual is concerned, I will do my best to ensure that I'm true to my obligations as a Mason and not offer up any grips, signs, or words that would constitute a Masonic secret. To do so would be an act of dishonesty, if not betrayal. But with that honesty in mind, I will not lie either in submission or omission to protect the secrets of Freemasonry. That is not an obligation I would have entered into as a Christian. If something comes up that I've agreed not to discuss, I will state it plainly." I also feel that it is important to note that I'm not representing the Grand Lodge of Michigan or any local Masonic body. I'm simply a brother in Christ, speaking with fellow brothers about a subject near and dear to my heart. To understand Freemasonry, I have to take a look at its history. Freemasonry was birthed from the guilds of stonemasons in the British Isles. The earliest documents which, wef- which reference Freemasonry placed its origins in the 10th century. But arguably, the institution we're referencing only became something similar to what we'd recognize today in the 16th century with the arrival of the Protestant Reformation. The Roman Catholic Church's cathedral building was done through Masonic guilds in most of Europe. With many of those guilds receiving a franchise to become the church's official architect and contractor, the privileged status of these guilds allowed them to push for fair wages and garnered them access to arts and scientists, uh, arts and sciences from across Christendom, and they managed to produce an early version of licensing with their authority. See, the problem with hiring somebody to build a cathedral is that a little knowledge is actually more dangerous than no knowledge at all, and an unskilled an unskilled worker will tell you that he can't do it at all, whereas someone with a bit of knowledge will tell you they can. Right up until the Narthex collapse on everyone killing them. So they developed a system educating workers which used degrees and a set of means of recognition in the form of words and signs which allowed vetted maces to identify one another. The system worked pretty well in England until the 1530s when the Church of England broke away from the Roman Catholic Church. This, along with the Reformation that was already in progress, destabilized the network across Christendom and suddenly work became less reliable. Working with one denomination could now harm you in trying to find work with another. And by 1600, the guilds had lost their monopoly on building in England. Because of this, Masons began to expand an earlier practice of allowing non Masons to join their institution. This allowed them to have greater connection to the community and help secure jobs for fair wages and fair wages for said jobs. Along with their practical teaching of arts and sciences, they also had a unique way of looking at morality. Advances in scientific truth had recently shifted our view from that of a random universe to one with reliable rules that could be consistently measured. These Freemasons applied the same principles to morality, arguing that using the right tools and measurements would put up a beauti- that would put up a beautiful cathedral, so could the same principles be applied to building a good life. Morality was true, and true in a way you could measure, like the geometric principles that govern architecture. Objective moral truth laid out in scripture that could be measured in terms of uh, simple man's working tools was their philosophy. And if you weren't an operative stonemason, you could focus on that rather than building buildings. Geometry, in fact, became an allegorical term for morality. It got to the point where you eventually had lodges that no longer had any actual stone workers, but were focused entirely on speculative Freemasonry. This trend likely started in Scotland, but in no time at all, it was across the British Isles. In 1717, the United Grand Lodge of England was formed for the purposes of governing these lodges, and this led to uh, more formal and universal guidelines created for them. Um, Uh, John de Goulier, a Huguenot, and Anglican uh, clergyman and uh, assistant to Isaac Newton, led a significant effort to to standardize the degrees, and later worked uh, with Presbyterian minister James Anderson to produce Anderson's Constitutions, which served as the first constitution governing Freemasonry in the UGLE, and locked in the idea that no one could change Freemasonry afterwards. The constitutions of Freemasonry were an elaborate allegory which which exemplified exemplified the value of moral truth, the holiness of the working man's vocation, and the Protestant work ethic that came as a result of the Reformation information. It, was also stated, it is also stated that while previously Masons were expected to be Christians, and more importantly the particular denomination of their patron, Freemasonry was now open to men of all religions. This was important because at the time Protestants and Catholics were in the midst of a serious long-term conflict, so the hope was that the Lodge could serve as a center for good works to continue while the war raged outside. They did remain largely a Protestant institution, with the Catholic Church banning Freemasonry on one hand and Presbyterians on the other in particular, in some cases going as far as to build Lodge rooms as a part of their churches. But it did do a good enough job building bridges that people found it to be of value. It's worth mentioning that modern Freemasonry was not controversial among Protestants from a religious perspective for its entire first century. Lodges would soon appear anywhere where the British Empire had influence, including America, where these lodges became a staple of nearly every small town. In short, unions of stonemasons became a club for those interested in practicing moral objective truth and having fellowship with men across religious and political lines. With that in mind, I'd like to go back to a term I used earlier that may have surprised you, secular. United Grand Lodge of England will often refer to itself as the UK's largest secular and fraternal and uh, charitable organization. In the United States, we've avoided using that term due to its association with atheism. But for the purposes of my argument, I believe it's a valuable distinction to be made. We've become a world of institutions we call secular, but what we really mean is they operate entirely on atheistic presuppositions. Premastery, in contrast, comes from a time where Christian presuppositions were the norm. There there was no default godlessness to go back to because a god-breathed universe was the default worldview, even amongst the unregenerate. It. To say something was secular was to say that it was concerned with worldly matters, but that didn't mean the institution didn't acknowledge or show reverence to God. Because of this, even through the Enlightenment, we had a fairly small category of things we would consider exclusively religious. Prayer, reading, scripture, those were just good habits. Religion, on the other hand, was the particular theological debates now common amongst the laity following the Reformation. Primarily due to its limited ability to change institutionally, maintains its existence in that realm of cre- Christian presupposition-based secularity. It presumes as a default reality that God is real, the Bible is true, and prayer to him is the obvious response to that reality. Unfortunately, we're quite uncomfortable with that situation as Christians. We actually prefer now institutions that are secular in the atheistic sense. One uh, minute. we begun a practice of looking at every institution that acknowledges God exists outside of our own with bad faith. Things that now seem... Things that then seem perfectly Christian, the Christian ministers of shape Freemasonry in the 1700s, are now interpreted in a way to make them appear anything but. This is made worse by another Masonic authors, who would happily agree with the critics. Freemasonry is unfortunately quite dull by modern standards. Even by standards of the mid-1800s, people sought after secrets and waited for the big reveal. And when they learned that it was the existence of moral truth, they figured they just hadn't dug deep enough, and countless interpretations and historical theories were superimposed on 30, 30 seconds? From in, the inside the institution without. But what I want to focus on is the core of the institution. Individual authors, famous or otherwise, have no authority to determine what Freemasonry is, only the Constitution, the rituals, and associated lectures. So expect me to go back to that issue time and time again. If an author says something, I may very well ask, where does that come from in the ritual or lectures? And regarding the ritual, I'll be asking Adam here to regularly reevaluate his re- reading from a position of good faith rather than the default bad faith reading that has become all too common. I will ask him and you, the listener, regularly to assume that this material was written by devout Christians as a and
0: time thank you so much brandon for your opening speech there i am grateful that you uh of course gave us the great underpinnings for your case with that said uh we now are going to turn the time over to adam to participate in the Uh, cross-examination now uh, Adam again is the one who is to be asking the questions and um, we want to make sure that we're always being respectful of each other's time so Adam when you are ready to go I'm
2: going to hit start so uh, Brandon have you obligated or better covenanted yourself to the Grand Lodge of Michigan via via Blue Lodge ritual
1: so have I obligated myself to the organization yes And did you say, I do, to cheerfully
2: conform to all the ancient established usages and customs of the fraternity? Yes. Okay. So, by entering this debate, aren't you suffering your zeal for the institution to lead you into argument with one who, through ignorance, may ridicule it? Something you are charged not to do? Um,
1: So, that was why it was important for me to establish early on that this would not be a debate that um, was... uh, Based on ridicule or insult, um, I watched several of your guys's podcasts beforehand, and in our discussions, I made it clear that this would be an open and honest conversation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, but I'm just saying, like, have, are you suffering your zeal? Are you charged not to do this
2: in the lodge? No, no. Not in the uh, not in the Entered Apprentice degree.
1: Based on my interpretation, I don't believe that this would be a, a violation of my obligation.
2: Okay, so uh, via the degree petition, uh, according to the website uh, from your Grand Lodge, do you realize that the usages and customs of Freemasonry come with a worldview um, that's antithetical to the Christian worldview? I would disagree with that. Disagree. So is it true that Freemasonry is established on the most superior principle and most solid foundation? Superior principle and solid foundation. Mm -hmm. Yes, I would say so. It is. Is that foundation of Freemasonry only the teaching of the apostles and prophets with Jesus as the cornerstone?
1: So, as scripture states, the knowledge of God is the beginning of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, so, since I would consider that uh, the beginning of wisdom, I believe that that would be a most solid foundation. Yeah. So, but is Freemasonry established on that? I'm sorry, I restated. I apologize. Yeah, is,
2: is Freemasonry established on that? On, on that what? Sorry. On, on the teaching of the apostles and prophets with Jesus as the cornerstone?
1: Um, you know, that's a difficult question. Um, I would say that certainly in its original basis, it, uh, it was, though, uh, it has been modified to uh, be open to the interpretation of those of other faiths. However, considering that uh, the Christian basis of the organization is placed and the numerous allegorical references to Christ, I would say that uh, especially considering that it's based on the uh, uh, you know God dedicated to the Holy Saints, John, I would say that, yes, it is.
2: Okay, so do you believe that the God of the biblical scriptures and no other God objectively exists? That's correct. Okay, and so all other gods really are not really gods. So they're um, nothing. Yeah. Yeah, they're that, would,
1: that, would be, okay. that
2: would be correct, yeah. Okay, so would you say anyone who, defi- who denies Christ is a practical atheist?
1: Hmm. So, I, w- I would say that, obviously, historically throughout time, the Jewish people, uh, in ignorance of the gospel, um, have believed in God. And, and also denied Christ. They've not known Christ. So I wouldn't say that they would be a practical atheist. Um, and in fact, there are many people who have completely unformed views of God in, in their entirety. Uh, Paul speaks of, of those with the, the altar to the unknown God. So I don't think that those people are considered practical atheists. So then do you uh, believe that atheists actually exist according to Scripture? Do I believe that atheists actually exist according to Scripture? You know, I don't know that I have an answer for that, to tell you the mm-hmm. truth, because I, I believe that I, I've, I've listened to arguments that say there are no true atheists. Um, but I have my discipline. one minute. Sorry, sorry, I'm taking up Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. We'll just keep on going. So, what does the uh, what does Freemasonry offer you that the church can't provide you uh, that Jesus, the Scriptures, and the church can't provide you?
1: Um, basically, uh, an opportunity to, uh, interact with people, uh, from different faith traditions, uh, to be able to learn them, uh, le- learn from them to have an intimate relationship with them, to, uh, have disinterested friendship with some political lines.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, just really quickly. Yes or no. Is it true that Masons do not care what your individual faith is?
1: No, Um, and and it depends on jurisdiction, but sometimes they have specific requirements on your faith. They they limit it to a certain extent. In your jurisdiction? In my jurisdiction, um, actually, we're probably one of the more broad jurisdictions, um, but we do still ask you questions about your faith. So to say that we don't care at all, I'd say would be incorrect.
0: And that is time. All right, that then moves us over
1: to the... What I, what I heard would it yeah. hurt for me to provide clarification on that yeah. Adam yeah, yeah go for it go for it yeah yeah so, so there are uh, certain jurisdictions that actually require specific views about your view of deity. so for example, there are jurisdictions that require exclusively monotheistic religions. Um, there are, are some that actually specifically uh, ban deists, for example um, where they, they you have to have a, a belief in a God that interacts with the world. Um, so and and many jurisdictions actually the vast majority require a belief in the afterlife um, so if you have a, a religious belief that does not include an afterlife at all you would be exempt so it, it's not accurate to say that we don't care at all um, but there's there's variety in, in the view of the jurisdictions depending on you know where you're at Thank you for that clarification. Appreciate that, Brandon. And, uh, you know,
0: I appreciate uh, the way this is moving so far. I hope that I have not been at all disruptive in my statements of one minute and 30 seconds. So with that said, it is now time for Adam to offer a 10 minute Constructive speech. This is the negative constructive. And Adam, whenever you're ready to begin, I will hit start. Can I have
2: just a few seconds before? Just oh, you have said thank you. That's yeah, right. Go for one. it. Thank you. So again, Brandon, thank you for your time. Uh, I know I've spent a few months on this, and I know you have too. So thank you. Um, thank you uh, to everybody that's uh, involved with the live feed and being on that. I hope that you guys stick around and ask uh, good questions. So thank you for your time, and thank you, Dave, for moderating this and and helping put this together. So all, all right, man. whenever you're ready, sir. With uh, Jesus as Lord, Savior, and King, my conclusion is that Freemasonry is not objectively consistent with Christianity. And from the outset, because of the hermeneutical jump we'll see, tonight we must distinguish between subjective and objective truth, what is thought to be true, and what is actually true. Now, standing on what both my opponent, I, and all professed disciples of Jesus must stand on, the only true and triune God's word alone, the criterion by which to judge all truth claims, we must hold on to our confession, admitting a revelationally derivative epistemology and an analogical reasoning over against autonomy, holding every thought captive in obedience to Christ, the objective truth and example to imitate, whose food was to do the will of his Father, living by every word from God's mouth. This word written is found in the 66 covenant documents of the Old and New Testaments of the Bible. Now, I have to offer this. He didn't offer a definition of Christianity, so I offer this preferred definition of Christianity on which I am arguing. The same hermeneutic in which we have sufficient knowledge of Jesus should be the same by which we derive the definition of his disciples, his church, or Christians. Therefore, Christianity should be defined by a summation of Jesus' continual invitation to people, Come, follow me, a way of life living with a transformed and renewed mind. Thus, Christianity is not a worldly religion based on what people profess and do, but a Christ-revealed worldview, which is objective reality according to the triune God's revelation. Now, tonight we are dealing with speculative Freemasonry over against an operative trade union, and unless it wants to claim to be the church, Freemasonry is not revelationally established by the triune God. Thus must be defined by their own autonomous subjective standards. Being consistent with what Brandon has also obligated himself to, which is the Grand Lodge of Michigan, the only source of authority in all matters pertaining to ancient craft masonry within its chartered lodges in the state of Michigan, I will utilize theirs since he didn't really provide you a uh, definition on that, but their definition Definition is Freemasonry in Michigan shall be a preeminent organization of men of quality regardless of race religion or creed consistently delivering by symbols allegory and example a moral code founded on the highest standards of ethics, honesty and strength of character, a fraternal organization committed to charity, true fellowship and brotherly love under the fatherhood of God and a relevant organization dedicated to delighting, involving and educating members and their families in the community where the lodge is a vibrant, respected and contributing part of the community Life. So by this authoritative definition of Freemasonry, a scripture enlightened and consistent Christian should already recognize that Freemasonry is inconsistent with the Christian worldview and teaching and being an objective false fellowship. Number one, and also from Grand Lodge documents we can uncover that it is an it is from an objectively false and, and the antithetical worldview and teaching concepts antithetically to the gospel. Freemasonry is an incomplete and false fellowship as a fraternal organization that delivers true fellowship and brotherly love under the fatherhood of God that exists regardless of the religion, i.e. worldview, and creed or beliefs held. Scripture teaches that only true the only true mediator mediatorless fellowship existed between the triune God and mankind was severed in rebellion and Genesis 3.15, where God placed enmity between the seeds of the serpent and the woman. These two seeds mean those in Adam and those in Christ as expressed in the wheat and weeds. Now, the only objectively true fellowship that can exist with the Father is... Through Jesus, as He then binds His believers together as the Church. First John states that whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. But because of the Gospel, there is true and complete fellowship as Christ's Church with the Father through Christ and because of Christ. Neutrality being a myth. This testifies to Jesus' Word in Matthew twelve forty eight and Luke fourteen twenty five through twenty seven. In harmony, Paul warns us in 2 Corinthians 6, summed up as, Don't become partners with those who do not believe, and what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we, speaking of the church, are the temple of the living God. Now, masonry downgrades the authority of the triune God, his revelation, and the gospel to man's subjective opinion and not God's objective truth. This, the initiate does when he says, I do to cheerfully conform to all his ancient established usages and customs of the fraternity. This, and then this should actually lead one, as the Grand Lodge states, who recognizes no other tie of fellowship as they meet on the broad grounds of Masonic Brotherhood and at once forget everything but the fraternal tie which binds them together in a common humanity. Freemasonry recognizes his non-neutrality as perpetual distance, but built its builds its altar syncretistically celebrating autonomous, idealistic man's pursuit of the universal as evidenced in that Masons do not care what your individual faith is, according to their website. They say that the plan of God on his, and on his ineffable trestle board of life is their one secret that can be imparted to no man unless he first be prepared in his heart to receive it, adding that he must travel the rough and rugged path alone, symbolizing man's eternal seeking. Based on a moral code, And they base a mower cold on principles of structural building for the purpose of fitting themselves as living stones for that building not made with hands, symbolized in the common gavel. This proves that there is no fear of the only true, true trying God before their eyes, teaching contrary to one scripture and evangelism that explicitly proclaims the eternal plan of God made known by Jesus and the apostles through the church to the world, though it's foolish to the unbelieving. Um, Two, it's contrary to what Scripture reveals about the work of the Holy Spirit on the truth suppressor and the doctrine of the church, while teaching contrary to the revealed state of a man who does not seek God. And thirdly, basing morality not on the object of true morality, turning the triune God's work of sanctification into man's self-sanctification to be fit for the spiritual temple with the grand architect, while lifting, twisting, and conflating Scripture. Usages and customs, their subjective worldview, are exactly what is warned against as a universal imperative in Colossians 2.8, to not be taken captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. This is the claim in the Blue Lodge. Operative masonry and speculative tradition are the basis of their symbol, allegory, and example, not Christ. Cutting the objective revelational epistemic, Symbols and our abstract ideals for fellowship where fellowship of true brothers who believe in any God they choose only necessitates autonomously reasoned belief in A, not the supreme being, the immortal- immortality of the soul, and A, not... A, not the volume of sacred law. As evidence in the blue book, if someone with a different religion than Christianity is a candidate, they can change Holy Bible to volume of sacred law and ritual. Also, it is said that in the manual that having a Christian connotation in Masonic prayer should be scrupulously avoided, not to offend a brother of another religion. Prayers then should be compatible with all religion, including one's own. This shows that Masonry not only only pays lip service and has even less respect for the scriptures than did the Pharisees and their prayers ring more hollow than the prayers Jesus condemned as they pray corporately to the Masonic concept of God in the lodge. Their symbolism and ceremony also claim contrary to the gospel especially while teaching Christless concepts to those who deny Jesus as God and his lordship. For example, the landskin apron, symbolizing unblemished purity of life and rectitude of conduct, is a symbol of what the mason works for so that in death his life and conduct are as pure and spotless. After death, it is hoped that because of a mason's own record, he is told by the judge supreme at the great white throne, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy lord. The lambskin is a badge to be worn as a continual reminder of what it is essentially necessary to his gaining entrance into the celestial lodge above, where the supreme architect of the universe presides. Corporate life and conduct is then symbolized in the white glove fidelity as a uniting virtue that death can't separate as masonry life and conduct is what unites them together even in the afterlife not jesus all this refutes any argument that freemasonry doesn't teach theologically it teaches then praise to a concept of a god like that of kant or a canopy god this teaches soteriologically teaching that entrance to be with the supreme being is by man's will and works and also praying for salvation in the master degree regardless of their subjective god through masonry in conclusion, any appeal to make Freemasonry consistent with a Christian worldview is absurdly subjective and objectively false. The Christian in Freemasonry is found to be double-minded about the authority of Christ, biblical scripture, and thus Christ's church as the efficient, sufficient means to grow into maturity and holiness through the Holy Spirit's work. Because of this, they are also double-minded about their mission to make disciples and teaching people to obey the only true Lord and Savior's commands that presupposes the only true and triune God of the Bible alone. This is failure in worshiping God in spirit spirit and in truth and truly loving one's neighbor since they are to not be in contention about religious issues such as the offense of Christ. Being true brothers who are bound by the fraternal tie of a common humanity which, according to the biblical scriptures, is rebelling against the only true God. And so because of this, I pray that Brandon and all Masons everywhere repent, believe in, and live by the true gospel. And how much time do I have? You have a minute ten left. A minute ten left. Well, I will concede that.
0: All right, so what we're going to do next is move to the time of cross examination where Brandon will be cross examining Adam for five minutes. Again, remember, Brandon, that you are the one asking questions, not Adam. And uh, Adam, remember that you're not to be asking questions. Uh, With that said, these five minutes are yours, Brandon. I'll begin the timer whenever you are ready to start.
1: All right, we're ready to go. So, do you believe that Christians should be a part of interfaith organizations? I uh, I would say that
2: uh, to be a part of, not in the way of Freemasonry, um, that makes a, a commitment uh, through oaths and vows.
1: Okay. So, do you take issues with the oaths of office of elected officials or the U.S. oath of citizenship? Um, that would be a,
2: a weighty moment. I don't think that Freemasonry is necessary for the Christian to be a part of, so that's not an ultimately an ultimate. A weighty moment to have to do a, uh, um, I guess, a covenanting with. Um, let your yes be yes and your no be no, but uh, in that situation.
1: Well, but uh, I guess, for example, you know, so my wife, she became a citizen. She could have. Stayed not a citizen, for example. Uh, people entering the military obviously do so optionally. Would you say that Christians should not enter those institutions, uh, U.S. citizenship and the military, due to the, uh, the oaths that they have to take, which are incredibly similar to Masonic oaths? I think, I, I think that definitely
2: conflates. Um, the issue is that in Freemasonry, you adopt a worldview that is antithetical to the Christian position that is not based on that. I think whenever you're a citizen of America, you're not making that sort of statement whenever you make an oath to the country.
1: Okay. Uh, do you believe that you can have fellowship with non-Christians?
2: I believe that it's inevitable because we live in the world, but there, again, what what does uh, what does the church have to do? What do, what do we as Christians have to do, especially making oaths in this? So we can fellowship all day. That's just naturally going to occur whenever we work, whenever we go. As far as making disciples, we are going and are going. It's just going to happen.
1: What do you believe the Masonic apron represents? Well, it's uh, according to uh, uh,
2: the manual ritual, the monitor ritual that I have. It is the rectitude of life. It is the, uh, I, what did I say in here to get the exact words anyway, but it is a pure and, and, uh, a good life lived and worked for.
1: Who is the man who has lived the pure life? Who's the um, only man who's, exist who's lived a pure life?
2: Well, the one thing that I have with that is that it's a subjective, not an objective ordeal. Whenever you are in masonry, you have to accept uh, men of any god, any religion. And so that basically just turns into your opinion, so it doesn't actually turn into objective reality.
1: Well, but in objective re- reality, uh, who who was the man that lived a pure life? The one well, that It was Jesus in objective reality,
2: but is it Jesus to the man that you're trying to, you know, you're saying you're my my thing is you said that you want to decide you want to use this to preach the gospel to people, um, but you can't do that in the lodge. So um, where do you do it? For one, it is not Jesus to the person that denies Jesus.
1: So um, have you read Webb's Freemasons Monitor? Um, I've read through that. I paid
2: more attention to uh, the uh, manual and ceremonies, the manual and prescribed ceremonies, the blue book, and uh, I guess yeah, just the manual. Okay. And uh, the uh, Michigan, uh, the uh, petition for masonry degrees in Michigan from the website.
1: And have you read uh, Anderson's Constitutions? Um, no, I have not. Okay. All right. Just wanted to clear that up for any sort of future discussion there. Um, Let's see. Now, the degrees of Freemasonry, uh, do you believe they have a scriptural basis? Uh, could you repeat that, please? Uh, the, for the degrees of Freemasonry, do you believe that they have a scriptural break basis? I believe that they have a way out of context scriptural basis. Way out of context. And um, do you believe that uh, there are those who have... Uh, One minute. Who have the law in their hearts? I believe that God has
2: uh, taught people who He is. um, That you would, I mean, a part of the new covenant that you don't, you won't have to teach each other to know God, that you would know God. um, And that we need to preach the gospel to one another, yes, because they need to hear about Jesus.
1: Would you agree that for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, understood from what has been made, so people are without... 30 seconds? Yes, and I believe the other half of that is that
2: people have twisted that
1: um, autonomously
2: to to be truth suppressors that God then ends up having judgment on. All right. You got
0: 15 more seconds if you need anything else. (laughs) I think we're good. All right. Well, there you go, guys. Uh, That then turns things over to you, Brandon. And uh, I'll give you just a minute to collect your thoughts since you just finished up cross examination. And uh, whenever you are ready for me to begin, this does move us into the time of the affirmative rebuttal. So during this speech, Brandon will, of course, be offering his rebuttal to Adam's opening remarks. And Brandon, whenever you are ready, you just let me know and I will hit start.
1: All right, I'm ready. Okay. So uh, a point that I would like to clarify about the nature, uh, and I guess the relationship between Christianity and Freemasonry is that we are in sort of a unique situation and that the the institution was created by Christian ministers, uh, by Christian people, and later opened it up to be sort of a non-denominational organization, and eventually that was read as a interfaith organization. Um, what you find as a result of that is that many Masonic symbols have explicitly Christian meaning. Um, you know, uh, the lectures themselves uh, specifically reference Christianity in a way that often um, undermines Freemasonry's attempt at being in her faith. Uh, It's basically an organization that was written to be Christian, but then essentially uh, changed to to suit members of all religions. Uh, The problem with that, then, is that you end up with sort of a... a, um, a reasoning that comes into play and is to say, how can we take these things and make them appear universal to the person who is coming from a different faith tradition? Uh, what I find in most circumstances uh, when people are coming from a different faith tradition is that they've grown up in a, in a largely Christian society and they recognize most of these symbols as having an implicitly Christian meaning. And either they'll do one of two things, they'll take the perspective that, well, you know... I, I get it. You know, I understand what they're getting at. That, that's fine. Or they'll they'll take the perspective of, oh, I don't like that. Really, what you guys are is a big group of Christians and, you know, you're trying to be interfaith, but you're really doing a lousy job of it. And, you know, I think that both of those uh, I've seen both of those perspectives and I understand why someone might you know share those views. But it is uh, essentially built into the basis of the organization, uh, you know. Protestant ministers put all this work together for the purposes of of creating this system. But the goal of the system isn't necessarily to enter into a world of sort of subjective moral truth. The idea of the institution is about being excited about the idea of objective moral uh, moral truth that's based on Scripture. And the tools themselves, the symbols that you see in Freemasonry, are all about essentially distilling those truths into certain symbols. So, you know, squaring our actions, for example. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a way of taking a look at, you know, the, the working tools of your common mason and saying, hey, you know, there, there's something there's something holy about this concept that we can explain using these tools. Sorry, I want to take a drink. Oh, no problem. <laughs> but it's that excitement about moral truth that uh, fuels the organization and why it was so exciting. Um, there was also the, the whole idea of the Protestant Reformation created this idea of vocation, uh, not being limited to priests and clerics and you know, the clergy, but the idea that your average working man was doing something holy as well that his holy vocation had value on a spiritual level. Uh, this resulted in many things, uh, one of which being Freemasonry, but the most well-known being the Protestant work ethic. Um, this idea that, um, you know, being regenerate didn't just mean that you were someone who believed in God and, and had faith, but that it actually manifested in your life, and not just in your church life, but in your working life as well. So what you had was sort of a power to the people movement. I mean, obviously we had the priesthood of believers and and, and the Christian faith, but these guys also took that to the next level in their professions. And, and Freemasonry really is, is built on this idea that, you know, the average man has a value too spiritually a value that's guided by scripture and, you know, his, his moral life um, is of great importance. Now, Talking about this idea that um, you know Freemasonry uh, you know guarantees your, your path to heaven that, that just simply isn't the case uh, the the symbols themselves um, are in many cases essentially Christ allegories I mean the the, the apron for example um, our our white lambskin apron. Uh, you know, that, that, that has an obvious Christian connotation, uh, in our funeral ceremonies, uh, you know, essentially, you know, we talk about putting the apron over the casket. I mean, what are we exemplifying there? It has nothing to do with your actions, but it has to do with the one who lived a pure life, the only man who's ever done it. And we're hoping that that's what is seen, rather than uh, you know, rather than our own works. Uh, and in the Mark Master Mason degree, you know, uh, we haven't got into this subject very much, but there's this idea of uh, the Hiramic legend, and Hiram Abiff is basically you know uh, a stand-in for Christ, and uh, we put our mark within his initials on our on our uh, marks there, which once again is is all about sort of our works being in the center, but being seen through christ um the christian symbolism in freemasonry permeates the entire institution um but the fact of the matter is is that we do open it up to other faiths, and i find at least from my experiences that that gives me an opportunity to talk about christ uh, in a way that i wouldn't otherwise people uh People stay in their own little religious groups. They don't necessarily spend a lot of time interacting with one another. Uh, I've, it's been my pleasure, and I almost hope he isn't listening, that uh, to lead a friend to Christ through Freemasonry. My, my grandfather was brought to Christ through Freemasonry. Um, one minute. These were instances where there simply wouldn't have been a relationship without the Lodge. And I find, from my perspective, is that the Lodge often takes people very often working people, um, people who don't necessarily have a ton of interest in church, and puts them in a mindset to take Scripture seriously. And when you start to take Scripture seriously, you've opened yourself to actually hearing it. And when you're the moment at which you can actually receive the gospel, when people have shut it out entirely, they don't even really hear it. When they've decided that they're not going to take it seriously, it might as well not exist in their ears. It never translates in. But I have found, at least, that Freemasonry gives people an opportunity to say, you know what, this stuff is is worth my serious consideration. And I've seen it do amazing things. I'm a part of a Facebook group that is specifically for Masons who are interested in learning about Orthodox Christianity. And that
0: is time. Thank you so much, Brandon, for that great rebuttal speech of seven minutes. That does then bring us to Adam's seven minute rebuttal and he has seven minutes adam whenever you are ready give me actually i shouldn't say give me one second here i gotta make sure i'm 100 ready all right adam whenever you're ready uh seven minutes of rebuttal and uh just go ahead and i'll hit start when you start talking
2: all right so i mean basically i've heard um so far is just a bunch of sentimentality um i haven't i've heard his opinion that's great and all but what i'm talking about is objective truth As God has revealed, so it's one of those things. Whenever I look in Scripture, and uh, whenever the temple, let's talk about the temple. Let's talk about the first time that the tabernacle sacrifices happen. Let's talk about um, how Nadab and Abihu, after seeing the beauty, the beauty of God consuming their sacrifice, and that you know, seeing peace with God, knowing that they had God for their God and being His people, um, they weren't just. Happy with that? They weren't satisfied with what God provided, and so they offered strange fire and got God consumed them. You know, to build the t- to build the tabernacle, God gave them explicit rules and instructions on how to do it, no more, no less. And same thing with His worship. And so that's the same thing that uh, what I'm hearing is the church isn't enough. Uh, my work isn't enough. Everything that I go for is not enough. I have to have Freemasonry to be able to do this. Um, you know, he's talking about how um, it provides an opportunity for um, having interactions with people that um, wouldn't necessarily. The thing is, is, we're told from Scripture that people don't want Jesus. People do not want God. There, There's no one righteous. They all go astray. People do not want to hear this truth. And I understand that as Christians, we want to seek peace. We want to seek reconciliation, but we can only find that in Christ. And so that's why we preach the gospel. But the thing is, is he goes in here and when they're working in the lodge, they are charged not to talk about religion and politics. That's why we see, um, you know, in that environment, you don't talk about those things and we work it out as non-Masons in our lives that, you know, those bring strife and all that stuff. But we have to believe that Jesus, he is the one that came with the sword. He is the one that divides people. And if you don't hate your mother, brother, and sister, um, and compared to the love that you have for him, you cannot be Jesus' disciple. And so whenever I see the truth of Scripture, whenever I see the objective truth of Scripture, I have to live in such a way that pleases him. It is my aim to please him, knowing that my pleasing him doesn't earn me salvation. Um, I want to please him by telling the people the gospel, and he's put himself into a fraternity. He says that he wants to lead people to Christ, but he can't talk about it in the lodge, and so he's outside the, work, outside the lodge talking. Well, if he wasn't a Mason, he would still be outside the lodge talking. So, I mean, it's a distinction without a difference there. Um, It's basically, it's sentimental because he has, he has lived his life in Masonry. And I wanted him to understand that. I understand how it would be hard, but being a part of this is a bad witness because again, a Supreme being, a volume of sacred lie says that it calls people to understand or want to understand scripture more once how can it whenever It's just thrown around. It's just a symbol. It doesn't mean anything. And he keeps on talking about how this was Christian. Even if it started from a Christian standpoint, those were inconsistent Christians. Um, We have a worldview. We got to believe God is God and that no other God is God and allowing people in and it's okay. Um, And you can't talk about this God. You can't explicitly say Jesus Christ in the lodge. How are they going to hear about who, who they don't believe? they got to hear it. It's got to be explicitly done. And this is all done within the context of the church organically and institutionally. And so, as I've said in the past, it's a low view of the church, um, the the doctrine of the church um, that would lead somebody to go to Freemasonry. We've got to fight for the church. We've got to move in unity. We've got to call, exhort, rebuke, correct each other so that we can do these good works that Freemasonry wants to see. And I do understand that there are churches that do not act like this, but it's got to be fought for instead of left to another institution to do um, so again he hasn't uh, he didn't um, go against my uh, argument that it does say in Michigan that it is true brotherhood under the fatherhood of God he hasn't refuted that um, he can't um, but uh, he hasn't refuted that statement because it is not true brotherhood if people who deny Jesus Christ and Lord are called brothers they are not and that's the sad thing they are not there is a chasm. There's an eternal chasm between me and somebody that does not accept Jesus as Lord, and I've got to preach the gospel to him. And I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I have to take an obligation to not offend somebody because Jesus is the rock of offense that the Jews stumble over and that the Gentiles trap get trapped by. And so Freemasonry, again, is just that um, just that way. They don't want to be offended. We can't offend anybody, and so you haven't, Brandon has not believed the truth that Jesus is an offense, and we have to embrace it. It has to be okay, Um, knowing that we're not the ones who convert anybody, that Jesus is the one that converts people, that the Holy Spirit is the thing. So he says Freemasonry, he wants to use that. People used Freemasonry just because um, Freemasonry, somebody comes to Christ and they it's through Freemasonry. What was Peter told by Jesus? Um, he was around Jesus for three years, saw miracles, saw all these things happen, um, and then so he goes, "Well, who do you think I am?" Peter says, um, "Well, you're the you're you're the Son of God, right?" And what does Jesus tell him? He didn't say, "Well, glad you understood what my miracles were for. Glad that you you saw all the evidences." He said, "This wasn't given to you by flesh and blood. This was given to you from above." So to Christianly interpret why people. Are believing in Christ is not because of the situation they're in. It's because they heard the voice of Jesus Christ drawing him to the Father, and Christ did not cast them out, and he will raise them up on the last day. And this is, again, not necessary. Freemasonry is not necessary for the Christian to be a part of, especially with the obligations that you have to take. And I will concede my time. All right. Thank you so much, Adam. appreciate
0: that. Great speech there of rebuttal. That moves us into kind of an interesting time. We are moving into a really fun section of our debate. Uh, Oftentimes, uh, critiques happen of debates when people say, well, people are speaking past each other. They're not really speaking to each other. One thing that I believe is really important is that we are to engage each other in a truthful way. We are to really engage each other in a way that is, of course, inquisitive and, of course, explorative. And... I generally will have some questions written for both of the debaters. Uh, I have honestly been exceptionally um, brought into the debate by both of them. I don't know that I can really add too much to the debate by asking a question myself. With that said, um, if it's all right with Brandon and Adam, I'm just going to open it up to you two. Uh, unless you really want me to send you questions. I I have written down some, but I just think the interaction between you two has really been important. So if that's okay, I'm just going to hand this 15 minutes over to you two to, to bounce back and forth. Is that alright? And Brandon, since you are the affirmative, I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor first. Uh, remember, we don't have any time constraints during this uh, open Q&A for each other, uh, for you two, but uh, just, again, be respectful and try not to speak over each other. Brandon, whenever you begin, I'll hit start Okay.
1: Yep, I'm good. All right. Yeah. So, so I I did miss something, and it and it was it was something that I, I thought made sense when I said it, and, and then I realized that it, it, it didn't come across. The discussions about politics and religion happen outside of the lodge meeting. So, the the ban on politics and religion actually only happens within a tiled meeting, and in a tiled meeting, all that happens is is conducting the business of the lodge, so paying your bills. Scheduling, things like that, conducting your degrees, you know, that the actual rituals, reading the lectures, uh, and things like voting. That's it. The rest of Freemasonry exists outside of the lodge. And in that situation, the moment the gavel drops, the discussions about politics and religion can start. And I'll tell you, I mean, some of the best discussions I've had in my life about politics and religion have happened just after a lodge meeting, and the reasons for that have to do with the various perspectives represented. You know, I've had great discussions at church as well, but it often tends to be refining things we agree on. But in masonry, you'll get into real discussions about things you disagree on, and you're going to be challenged by people, and people are going to put you in a a real crucible about what you believe, and you're going to have to come out stronger for it. And and honestly, that's how I've seen people come, come to Christ in the institution. That's how I've seen people just examine their views about the world. You know, you're not allowed to have a lazy worldview and walk into a lodge. Someone's going to hit it with a hammer. Someone is going to come at you about it. And that's one of the things I like the most.
2: All right. Well, I mean, it's still one of those things like Freemasonry, the, the Grand Lodge itself has said this is true fellowship under the fatherhood of God. Right?
1: Yeah. And, and, and I and I guess I don't I don't understand your position clearly on, on, on your criticism of that statement. I, I guess I don't
2: it so, is so. Basically, I say I'm. I want to uh, be a Freemason, so I you know get all the stuff that I can to learn about Freemasonry, and I read this. This is true fellowship under the Fatherhood of God. I'm supposed to learn what the what fellowship under the Fatherhood of God looks like, and then whenever I see in Freemasonry, you've got all these people that deny Jesus Christ. That you know you you have to have everybody a part of this. Um, Jesus is not explicitly talked about all this kind of stuff. This can't be true fellowship under the fatherhood of God. And so thus it teaches um, autonomous man's, again, this is, this is a, uh, to me, it's a, a uh, fraternity of the times. I mean, you can you can totally go well from time immemorial. No, these are definitely uh, Jean Jacques Rousseau. This is a, mayor, a well, manual Emmanuel Kant based philosophy. Rousseau. Yeah. Rousseau. <laughs> well, I mean, he was yeah. there. There's a reason for that. And I mean, I would say it's it's from time immemorial, and it's whenever the serpent told Eve and question, made made Eve question God's word, and so yeah, I could take this back to the very beginning. Of time that this autonomous attitude um, that leads up throughout history again this is you you, you have, to me you have admitted everything that Paul warns us against so how do you deal with that whenever Paul says don't do this whenever Paul says don't succumb to philosophy based on the elements of the world based on the traditions of man that's what Freemasonry does so how do you get around Paul's avoidance like why can't you just talk about Jesus Christ.
1: Well, so, so I so I would argue that the the goal of Freemasonry is, is objective truth, and and it's built on uh, essentially a Christian worldview. So their their interest is is building a, a, a building an institution that demonstrates moral truth based upon Scripture, because we're we're talking about a period in time with with you know where they lived in a very Christian world. Um, you know, we've kind of and, and I go back to the idea of of secularity, because we sort of thought, well, there's this base world, right? And that base world is essentially atheistic, you know? And then we sort of add on to that by, you know, adding to it Christian theology or something of that sort. But to these guys, the base world was rooted in the Christian worldview. So, when they talk about looking for truth, they're looking for objective truth that's rooted in Scripture,
2: Yeah, but my my question would be like, why don't you explicitly say that? Why don't you explicitly say, Triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this is the only um, way that you can have this. Why shadow it? Because the thing is, is that's the new covenant. The new covenant is the revealing of the shadows. So Why stay in the shadows when you're teaching these things?
1: Well, I think the goal is is to create a, let's say, an embassy with people of different religious views. I mean, you got to look at it. The, the people who are the big boosters of Freemasonry, they're all French Huguenots. And, I mean, they were just getting slaughtered by the Roman Catholic Church. They were refugees coming over. And they thought, boy, this whole religious interaction thing, it has really gone south. Like, it, it's really bad. We need to find some way to fix this because, really, things are, are really, really bad. And when they saw Freemasonry as this sort of other institution, this thing that, well, it isn't really a part of the church, so it doesn't have to have these hard doctrines that we're going to slaughter each other over. Um, They really latched onto it, and they said, okay, you know, I'm a Huguenot, and I want to go to Portugal, right? And I want to be able to find people there that I can do business with, that I can work with, and we're all going to agree that once we enter that room and we start talking, nobody's a Catholic and nobody's a Protestant, so we can all cool down in the united states one of everybody's it's like the most famous and infamous lecture but it's there someone is always going to talk about how neat freemasonry was during the american civil war that you had you know people on the south and people in the north and they would show up at lodge meetings and tomorrow like massacre each other but for that night they all got along, and they shared a drink, and and they they were able to enjoy each other's company and talk to each other. And then the next day, the war continued. And the idea was to create an institution that was that was built to create those kind of circumstances. Um, but the moment they started to get into hard theology, things get contentious. Mm-hmm. So what they were interested was explicitly in. The moral truth that results in works. It is a club for good works, just as when they were still just for operative masonry, you had a, you have a club in town. Okay, I got to go to London. I got to build this cathedral. I've been tasked with doing this. Okay, I need some some masons. I'm going to go to the masons lodge and I'm going to find. Five good Masons, you know, to help me out with this project. Okay, we're gonna do that. The similar there was a similar principle with Freemasonry in that, okay, I'm coming to this town. I don't know who runs this town. Is it the Anglicans? Is it the Baptists? Is it the Presbyterians? I'm gonna to go to the lodge and I'm gonna find a few good men who can work on this good project with me. They all agree on certain basic principles that are based in Scripture, but their theological ideas we're not gonna talk about right now. We're gonna talk about how we get this building built, or how we're going to build this bridge, or how we're going to get water to this community. The the goal was to create something where you didn't have to argue about the points of theology. Um, and they did it in good faith. Like, if you look at the people who were writing this stuff, like, they were priests and ministers, and and they were people who who literally didn't think that anyone would ever look at this and say, well, that's anti-Christian. Like It never would cross anybody's minds. And if you look at the explosion of membership among Protestants, the Protestants generally didn't see this as an issue as well. Catholics did, certainly. Um, I mean, they they saw it as an extension of the Protestant Reformation. Like Muslims, you know, we have Muslim members here in in Southeast Michigan, but if you're talking about Muslim theocracies, they really don't like Freemasonry either. Nazis you know, put us in concentration camps. Uh, they really hated the idea of like people getting together and not put in their particular tribes. Like that was a big worry. But when you're talking about Protestants, as a general rule, they they pretty much liked it. Sorry Sorry. Yeah. And so my
2: problem is like, I mean, you can, you can make man the standard as much as you want, but the scripture says to those people that are suffering in France to endure it. It says to, so if you're talking about civic duties, we have a civic duty to our government to slap, you know, to take the second slap of the cheek, right? That we're mm-hmm. to submit to them, even if they are tyrannical. And so basically, they have not taken First Peter seriously. They were called to suffer, and they fleed, compromising the truths of Scripture, compromising the objectivity of God. And then, uh, so you, now you're in past history. So, okay, a bunch of Christians did this. Now, you're taking in Muslims, Buddhists, whoever, as long as they believe in a supreme being— And then what you're doing is you're giving them this, and then you're not giving them Christ, and you're just waiting for the outside of the lodge, but then they go, well, I don't need that. Um, You win people over to what you win them with, and you're winning them over to good works, and they go, well, I don't have a problem. You're not teaching about sin. The only thing that you can teach about is you're ignorant, but you're not teaching that the person is objectively a sinner and cannot please God apart from repentance and yes, that can happen outside the Lodge, but then again, why are you a part of it? You should be doing that outside the Lodge anyway, and you don't have to be a Freemason to do it. And so then, again, you are then taking an oath of doing something that is not scripturally mandated in compromise of what the truth, objective truth actually is.
1: So, so you, you bring up a good point there, and, and, I, and I guess I want to reiterate, Freemasonry's job isn't to, to preach the gospel. Like That's not what it's set out to do. I find it to be a a great avenue for doing that, but that was never its goal. Um, You can find the gospel in it um, because it was put together by Christians. And if you asked a bunch of Christians what was morally true, they were going to give you some sort of allegorical version of the gospel. Like That's just who they were. That was what was in their heads. Yeah, but then again, isn't
2: that subjective? So If you look at it with Christian presuppositions, just like I can look at the creation and see God and everything as a Christian, but we're talking about objective truth here. That's subjective. You give these symbols to a Buddhist, they're going to put Buddhist connotations on it. You give it to an Islamic person, they're going to put Muslim connotations on it. And then you're going out here, you go outside the lodge, again, where you should be anyway. And uh, doing your work, and and then basically you have made a blip of existence where Jesus doesn't have to permeate it.
1: Well, so so I guess there's 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 two things, two different things being touched on there. So for one, the everybody used to have a club. Everybody, you know, you we, we brought up at one point, you know, your work is not enough. Um, There used to be a place in every man's life for his fraternal body. I mean, uh, in Michigan, um, Freemasonry was really closely associated with the auto industry, so we had like tons and tons of Masons. Uh, In the 1920s, one in eight men were Masons. I mean, it was just wild. It was huge. But the guys who weren't Masons didn't mean they weren't in a club or a fraternal organization. They were in the Odd Fellows. They were in... You know the Knights of Pythias. They were in scouting. They were in some organization. And none of those organizations, um, these sort of fraternal life clubs, none of their job was to preach the gospel. That wasn't what they did. That wasn't what they were for. They were for going golfing. They were for, you know, and and it's the same as if you join a bowling league today. What I like about Freemasonry is it It's an organization that's still robust enough to sort of be that fraternal piece. Can I stop you there for a second, though?
2: It's not like a bowling club you're conflating because whenever I join a bowling club, I'm not making an oath. I'm not saying anything. I'm just going, I just want to join your club. We're not going through any sort of rituals. We're just going to go bowling. You're not doing that in Freemasonry. You are making oaths. You are teaching theology. You are teaching about salvation of the hope that is beyond the grave, and it's Christless. I don't do that in a bowling club. So you're conflating two things that don't equal each other.
1: Well, but any any of them that were older, let's say you're you know, your Grange, your Knights of Pythias, your Oddfellows, they all had degrees. Everybody had degrees. Everybody had oaths. Everybody had these sort of things. If you go to London today, all the old livery companies, they don't call them gills anymore. They call them livery companies. Uh, all they all they they all exist. The haberdashers still exist, and they still have their own ceremonies. And, and uh, in London, it's funny because uh, those livery companies are actually the people who elect the mayor. Um, all those, that, that sort of, Fraternal life uh, concept um, is is a major part of you know Anglo culture. Um, it was sort of the the basis of essentially all of your older fraternities. So lives. so
2: now you're making Anglo cultural the standard of what you're doing. Now let's go back farther. Let's go back to the Holy Spirit comes down in Jerusalem, falls on everybody One in there, and then Christ starts building His church. That is Christ's fraternal organization, is it not?
1: Well, those same guys were still a part of the the haberdashers if they made hats, right? Well, I mean, you know, as a trade
2: union, but then were they taking haberdasher stuff and then spiritualizing it? Very much like spiritual alchemy that like Christian witches that we've dealt with do.
1: Well, well so so I guess that that's my thing is that hmm. they wouldn't have considered it spiritualizing at the time. Like thirty seconds, Christianity was real to them, like in a way that like permeated
2: everything like so So then they live together as the church as the fraternal organization because I'm sorry your your petition says that recognizing no other tie in a common humanity they as Christians would have seen their sin they would have seen how they were distinct from the world and how Christ had brought them together distinctly as a holy brotherhood that they have everything and they don't need anything else and I have time
0: gentlemen thank you Brandon do you want to have a brief 30 second response to that
1: um, yeah, yeah, sure. I, mean, I guess uh, my idea is that certainly, you know, many Masons are, are every bit as active in their church as they are uh, in, in the Lodge, if not more so. Masons actually tend to be doers. They tend to be joiners. Very rarely will you see someone with, with one dues card. But it's the idea that if you Sorry, sorry. Yeah, uh, no, me freezing it. me, uh, up. Um, it's the idea that even though you're a Christian, even though you're dedicated to the church 100%, there is still an opportunity in your life to be a part of organizations that have righteous aims that aren't necessarily preaching the gospel.
0: And that is time, Brandon. Thank you so much. That moves us into portion of the debate. And if you uh noticed or remembered from when we first put up the speaking times, uh Adam is now going to give the first closing statement and that's gonna allow Brandon to offer the final closing statement. We have a great selection of questions, Brandon and Adam I know already we're not going to be able to get through all of them, and so I apologize about that. So if you have a great question that you want to send in and you're not concerned about it getting to them, uh, go ahead and send it in and I'll try to get to it. Um, but with that said, we are going to yield the time over to, uh, it's not yield, we're going to give the time over to Adam for his negative closing statement. It is going to be a five minute speech and Adam, whenever you
2: are ready, I will start the timer. All right. Well, anyway, just to, to close this out, um, I mean, he really didn't, it's, it's one of those things, did he answer this from a Christian worldview? It was always, well, people did this, people did that. Um, that would be, in this objective truth case, a faulty appeal to authority. So it doesn't matter um, what uh, post Reformation people did. It doesn't matter what they did. It's what does the scripture say? And that's what we need to deal with is because we want to be the church, right? We want to be Christians who show the manifold wisdom of God. um, and, And that's what. church is that's what jesus is building that's what jesus is creating and so we have to recognize that this is a christ revealed worldview that we live with a transformed and renewed mind and so that's our definition of christianity he has not uh, said anything against that idea that there is a worldview and so then what we've done is he's admitted that this is also an autonomous worldview and so he's which one is it what that's what i want to ask which one is it is it God says, or we get to do it ourselves and we get to erect this temple because guess what? We found out Christ separates people. We feel we see that Christ is what the Bible says he is, this is an offense. The gospel is foolish. People hate God. Jesus said that you people will hate you because they hated me. And so we see people throughout history not being able to live with that. I don't care what somebody says, the fruit that I see is. I don't want to live in a world where all this stuff exists, where we have to embrace it. It's going to happen until Christ comes back. And then he has all, you know, he has authority in heaven right now. And then whenever he comes back, we're going to see all that authority of him crushing the people that did not believe in him. And so right now we are called to suffer. We are called to be holy and different from the world. And so whenever we look at this history Freemasonry, it was a history of compromisers. And so, again, I have to say that they can be saved apart from their horrible works that they did. They will be rewarded um, either for good or bad, but they'll either be um, rewarded for their good deeds that done in Christ or they will be burnt up. And saved as by fire. So if you are justified by faith alone, so that's okay. But what we need to understand is that just because something works pragmatistically doesn't make it right. So that's another fallacious sort of comment that um, can, can come out of this conversation um, it comes with apologetics too. just because evidentialism has seemed to work with people. Um, doesn't make it right, and so that's why, again, as an allegory and example, um, that's why I'm a presuppositionalist because I have to take God at His word. I have to presuppose God first. That is my worldview. He exists. He he has said stuff. He wants us to worship Him His way, and uh, He's our covenant board and He has given us the freedom. Of knowing what he wants and again we see in freemasonry they treat that treat it like god hasn't spoken they treat it that only people can be prepared in their hearts um, that they don't know and the thing is is they do know it through evangelism they know god's plan for creation though they find it foolish they hear it god it has spoken he has spoken through his church and uh, because of that The uh, plan of God that they feel in Freemasonry in Michigan, as as far as their petition, um, they say that this is not clear, that this has not been spoken, that people don't know it, um, that it's only known in the heart, not in word, apparently. Um, That's just a flat out lie. And so whenever I read this. Petition if you guys want to go to the Grand Michigan uh, Lodge or the Grand Lodge MI and find this document. I'll help you find it. Um, this is the light that's given them before they even sign up for the degree, and this should repulse the person who is consistently Christian with the text of scripture, instead One of minute. Making, a, making it about the feels, making it about sentimentalism. We cannot sacrifice the gospel. Um, and just at the beginning, you know, people in America believe this stuff. This is why America is pluralistic. This is why we're seeing division. We're seeing pockets of people fighting each other. Um, the thing is, is we have to live in that and we have to preach the gospel. Um, and that's the only way that we can do this. And we can't ruin our witness by joining a a thing that just basically says, well, scripture doesn't matter here. God doesn't matter here. Jesus doesn't matter here because what they call it in the Freemasonry in Michigan petition is called a denominational complication. Um, Jesus is more of an offense than just a denominational complication, but we have to embrace it. We have to trust Christ. We have to follow Christ. And so, again, I still have to say I have not been convinced and that Brandon and all Freemasons everywhere need to repent and believe the gospel and live it out um, consistently. Thank
0: you very much, Adam. That is your time. Brandon, we now turn things over to you for the final speech of the evening. Remember, after your speech, we'll go into a time of uh, one-minute Q&As, and I'll try to bounce back and forth. We'll probably only be able to get about 10 to 15 in. Don't want to burn up your night because it's already 8.17 there where you are, Brandon. So whenever you're ready, I will now recognize you for a six-minute speech, and I'll start when you begin, okay?
1: All right. Uh, but now it should be clear that I believe that a a Christian uh, can become a Mason without uh, compromising uh, compromising his Christian faith. Um, I believe that uh, as an organization, it uh, provides a a great deal of opportunity for uh, men to encounter people uh, from different religions that they would not necessarily encounter in their day-to-day life. Uh, One of the challenges of modern evangelism is that no one has any friends. Uh, No one knows where to go. Uh, The town square has been all but erased. Um, The opportunities to have disinterested friendship with people who do not already share your religious views is incredibly limited. And Freemasonry offers an opportunity for you to enter an institution that puts you... In common purpose with men who are of a variety of different religious views, Uh, that common purpose is nothing more than the pursuit of uh, objective moral truth based upon scripture. Now, I I hope that I've uh, addressed as many objections uh, as I can. This is my first uh, time debating, and uh, it has been uh, a bit trying, but uh, I hope I've uh, managed at least uh, to be a good sport about it. But uh, rather than sort of restating my argument, uh, how I'd like to close is by discussing what it means to be a Christian Mason. If you're a Christian considering joining Freemasonry, I'll give you the advice my grandfather gave me. Ask your pastor first. If your pastor says no, don't join. Even if you don't believe his objections are based in fact, nothing is worth your fellowship with your local church. If you are a Christian Mason, recognize that Freemasonry isn't the church. It isn't a substitute for active participation in the local church, nor is everything you hear from a fellow Mason scriptural. You'll be interacting with Masons from a variety of different denominations and religions, and while this can give you valuable insight into the various belief systems present in the world, you have to ensure that you come from a place of solid Christian foundation. Also, it is important to be sure that you know what each appendant body you consider joining teaches. Just because it's open to Masons doesn't mean it's open to consistent Christians. I personally would also recommend joining your local commandery or preceptory of Knights Templar. If my experiences are any indication, this should give you an even more in-depth insight into other Christian traditions and give you an opportunity for Christian fellowship with men who don't go to your church on a local, state, or even international level. Freemasonry is not a fraternity for everyone, and I know I haven't convinced everyone of my view, but I hope this experience has been good for all participating and watching and I thank you for the opportunity to make my case.
0: Well, thank you so much, Brandon. Thank you so much, Adam. I'm grateful for the effort both of you put in. Uh, We've got some great questions. Um, Brandon, let me not uh, be at all abuse of your time. I'm going to just go ahead and fire out these questions and when you're done, we'll just go ahead and hand it over to Adam. But uh, if you do run up on a minute, then I will... Be sure to let you know. All right, here's the first question for you, Brandon. One minute for Brandon and then 30 seconds for Adam to respond. Uh, Brandon, as a Freemason,
1: how do you view evangelism to your fellow Masons? I personally find Freemasonry to be a fantastic opportunity for evangelism, uh, mainly because it gets people talking about Scripture. Uh, a good friend of mine who uh, was baptized uh, just around this time last year um, is someone that I, I met through Freemasonry, uh, and it gave him an opportunity to look at Scripture and it allowed him to sort of uh, get an idea of what Christian moral truth looks like, and after looking at it, he began to take it seriously. Uh, later on, he and I uh, read uh, C.S. Lewis's *Mere Christianity* together. Uh, by then, after that, he started asking for Christian podcasts, and by then. <laughs> he was taken away like on a river of the Holy Spirit, uh, and next thing I knew, he was baptized. Uh, I've seen this happen to other men. It um, might happen to my grandfather. It was actually what that wasn't even something that I knew when I joined Freemasonry that that was that was his case. I assumed he'd been a Christian all his life, uh, but his encounter uh, with with Christianity was in Freemasonry. And that
0: is time, Adam. Thirty seconds. Well, again, I
2: mean, it's it's, it's ton of sentimental things i understand like i already said though but we have to live within rationality we seek truth we are christians we love truth we love objective truth and the fact is again just because you're in freemasonry doesn't mean um that's that's what worked yes it provides an opportunity but again you're outside the lodge therefore it's where you would be anyway and you should be looking for opportunities paul was provoked because he walked around athens and saw. He didn't just see it Um, in passing, but he did it on purpose. Thank you so much, Adam.
0: I'm going to go ahead and shoot two questions to Brandon and then two questions to you. I hope that's okay, Brandon. So I'm going to go ahead and give this question again to you. Two questions to you, uh, and then I'll give two questions to Adam, and I think that's fair. Brandon, uh, here is your second question. Brandon, as an Illinois Mason, my biggest issue with Freemasonry is time spent time memorizing ritual, time at meetings, time spent. Jesus is Lord. Wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't I be better off memorizing scripture, which I do, and spending all my time in personal relationship with God? Is it worth the investment of time? And I'll hit start.
1: So uh, I I would say that um, we can run into that with essentially any activity. Um, You know, if you were to, say, take up baseball, uh, there's time spent practicing, time at the batting cages, time playing uh, ball. Um, You have to be mindful of your time when engaging in any sort of activity. Um, So my response to that would be to only embark on it if you have the time, if you're willing to give up that time that you might otherwise spend playing baseball or playing video games or doing of that sort. Um, it, it is the case that, uh, you know, men need to have a social life. We need to have an opportunity to to get out there and, and, and fellowship, and we need to have avenues to reach the world. Uh, Paul could walk around in the city square, but we can't. I live in an endless suburb of nothingness. Um, and finding a way to get interpersonal relationships that... Art through work. And that is mistake. time. I'm going to
2: hand things over to Adam to respond to that question. Yeah, again, instead of um, being going through ritual all the time and having to memorize that stuff, why can't you go out and just to the coffee shop and hang out and make a third space there to where you can actually you know, you, you have to interject yourself. You can't um, utilize any sort of, you have no excuse to go, oh, I can't meet people. You've got to make it happen. Again, he's saying that all his stuff happens on the outside of the lodge and then while he's in the lodge, he also has a bad witness uh, saying that scripture is just whatever you want to believe it to be and stuff like that so again right. distinction Thank without a difference you but much.
0: yeah yeah i'm adam all right now i'm going to go two questions to adam so adam is it possible for a faithful christian to in a spirit of co-belligerency work with non-christians in a secular context for the good of the
2: community, meeting physical needs, for example. And I will hit start for you to respond. Yes, we can. I mean, it's, it's one of those things we can, but the thing is, is the the obligations, the the covenant that you make, what you say with that covenant. Again, scripture being denigrated. Uh, God doesn't matter. All these kind of things that they teach in Freemasonry. Um, you can go out. I, I work at a barber shop. I'm in the community. I go out and, uh, you know, I play shows. I hang out with people. I interact with people. Um, If somebody wanted to go do something, I would do it. I wouldn't have to take obligations. They could take my word as just being a person that lives before the face of God, and I don't have to make anything. So, I mean, these are just superfluous covenants um, just for dramatic plays because the church isn't enough because um, these things are not enough. This is not sufficient. What Christ has said in his word is not sufficient. This is what I see. This is the fruit. And this is all I'm hearing is I, I don't have this, so therefore I need it. Um, you have fellowship in church. You have fellowship in doing all that stuff. The church should be going out doing stuff. Um, but oh, yeah, we can go Thank you very much. Brandon, uh, 30 seconds to
0: respond to that.
1: Yeah, Obviously, I, I agree that you can, and, that, and one of the things that I think is a perk of Freemasonry is that while many of those organizations will operate on an atheistic worldview, uh, Freemasonry is built on Christian presuppositions. It believes uh, in God, it believes in the, the Holy Scriptures, and uh, as such, I think that that is a, a better organization uh, to to meet and work with people at than one that is purely atheistic. Um and that is
0: time. Thank you so much, Brandon. All right. Second question to Adam from our online viewers, Adam, what is the difference between pledging your life and service to a nation versus an organization like
2: Masonry? Um, well, I mean, for one thing, i say being born into America, that wasn't my free will choice. Like it is in Masonry. Um, whenever I pledge, uh, say if I were to go into the military again I'm not adopting world views I'm not saying um, that I agree that uh, you know God doesn't matter here I'm not saying that scripture whatever volume we want to believe in doesn't matter here I mean it's the nature of the covenant that me that you have to take in Freemasonry that I have a problem with and so whenever you join the military whenever you whenever you do that you're coming in you're signing here here's here's what I'm going to do for you. That's all you're doing. I'm going to serve the country, but I'm not uh, compromising in that thing that says, you know, I can't talk about Christ. I can't do this. I can't do that. That uh, any God exists, any uh, volume of sacred law is um, equally valid and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't bring that into the covenant. So it's completely apples and oranges. And that is time. Brandon, you have 30
0: seconds to respond to that question. I'll hit start whenever you begin.
1: So, so I would I would point out that uh, actually, uh, especially uh, with the work of atheist activists, uh, joining the military is you find yourself in a situation where evangelism is is, is frowned on incredibly, and that's actually the case where you, you say many workplaces. That's the similar case uh, when you join organizations. Unfortunately, you often are entering organizations that have an atheistic worldview that they in fact enforce quite heavily, and uh, in Masonry, while and that Robin is time. Game, So,
0: thank you very much. All right, Brandon, we're going to do one more question apiece for each of you, uh, if that's all right. And uh, I'm just going to give you guys 30 seconds to respond. Is that okay? That Mm -hmm. way we've got, I think we can maybe get two more questions in if I shoot a question to each of you, give you 30 seconds to respond, not really rebut each other. So, um, Brandon, I'm going to start with you. And here is the question. J.S.M. Ward, the author of several standard Masonic works defines religion as a system of teaching moral truth associated with a belief in God and then declares I consider Freemasonry a sufficiently organization organized school of mysticism to be entitled to be called a religion. He goes on to say I boldly aver that Masonry is a religion yet in no way conflicts with any other religion unless that religion holds that no other outside portal can be saved. And this is from Masonry. It's Aims and Ideals by J.S.M. Ward. Brandon, do you agree or disagree with this statement? What are your thoughts?
1: So I would disagree with the statement, and, and actually I don't believe that that is a, a mainstream view within, uh, within Freemasonry. I, I've often said that uh, calling Freemasonry a religion means you have an incredibly low opinion of religion. Uh, a religion should have quite a bit more to it than what Freemasonry is, which is more or less a, a, uh, an embassy, a, a, a meeting ground, a place to parlay uh, between various groups and have fellowship. Uh, it, is, it is a meeting house uh, where people with different views come together. All oh, right. Gonna go
0: ahead and jump. Thank Take you for your way. answer. I'm not trying to cut you guys off. Uh, I, I know both. You're going to have to be kind of quick on this. All right, Adam, here is your second, uh, or your first 32nd question to respond to, uh, Adam, can God use associations
2: with Freemasonry to bring people to Christ? Well, it's one of those things, if somebody's a Freemason, and I'm not a Freemason, that is, <laughs> if they have an association, I can preach Christ to them. Again, I'm not saying, it's not the situation they're in that is leading to Christ. It is the literal gospel, the explicit gospel that they hear Christ's voice in and they come. And so we're, we're trying to say, this is all sentimental, um, to say that Freemasonry has led me to Christ. Um, my church didn't lead me to Christ. My parents didn't lead me to Christ. What lead, led me to Christ was hearing the gospel. Time. Brandon, this is your last 30 second question. I'm going to try to find a real good one
0: for you. I hope that that's okay. All right. I like this one a lot. Brandon, the final step in church discipline, as outlined in Matthew 18, states that the offending party should be treated as a Gentile and tax collector. General terms for non believers. What claim can you make by Scripture that suggests we indeed should be in fellowship with unbelievers? And I will start your time whenever you begin.
1: You know, I'd have to find the verse, but uh, I do have one that would be referenced to that. Uh, When Paul is talking about sexual immorality, he lists all the people that he would say that a Christian should not even eat with. But he specifically mentions that he's not talking about non-believers. I can find the post and throw the verse in it, but um, that would seem to believe that we should continue to... Associate with non-believers, even if they are in uh, immorality. Uh, whereas with Christians, those are the people that we are supposed to cast out of our fellowship. That maintaining our and command- that is
0: time. All right, here's the last two questions, guys. Uh, uh, Adam and then Brandon on your last questions. Adam, make sure I got this good one here. I had seen it. Ah, here it is, Adam. Where in Scripture can one find merits for a Reformed Christian being
2: a member of the Lodge? Where in Scripture... Where in Scripture... I mean, that's what I'd be asking too. So repeat that one more time.
0: Yeah, where in Scripture can one find merits for a Reformed Christian
2: being a member of the Lodge? I mean, to me, that's a... uh, a very absurd question one <laughs> well, i mean it's it's it makes me smile anyway um i just there is no scripture um that would say that we should be doing this that we should be compromising the gospel for the sake of the gospel and that's what i see freemasonry doing mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter if you're reformed or not
0: That is time. All right, guys. I have more questions, but it is getting late in the evening. Brandon, I just want to say personally, thank you so, so much for coming on. And I want to encourage folks, if you have listened to the podcast, been encouraged by the podcast, send Brandon a message, send Adam a message, tell them that you appreciate their uh, outstanding effort. Brandon, I really want to thank you for staying up late tonight, for putting your hard effort in on this. And with that said, I'm going to go ahead and let you go, and I'll... Brandon, I'll you, let man. you say bye to, to to Brandon. Brandon, thank you nice again debate, so sir. much, brother. Nice debate. You're well. oh, I Really right, appreciate you, night. and I will let Thanks you go here, right. and I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. All right. With that said, it has gotten late into the it evening, is but very it's been late. a great debate, it's one of our Brandon. Long ones, huh? Brandon, I just want to say thank you again so much for coming on. Thank you, audience, for. The great participation, always really appreciate it. If you stood out through the whole thing, the whole hour and 30 minutes, I want to thank you for that. That's generally a pretty long show for us. But, uh, Adam, thank you for your amazing effort. I'm always so pleased to get to be beside you here and get to minister beside you. Thank you again so much. We will do a walkthrough of the Mm -hmm. debates next. Is that next week?
2: That would be next week, next yes. Week. Uh, gotcha. So we'll do a little walk-through. Um, if there's any questions that are, we didn't hit, um, I would like to answer them. Um, and I, you know, if they're from, meant from Brandon, maybe I can find some stuff in the documents that I can help. Uh, I won't answer for him. I'm not going to do that. But I'll answer according to what I know from Grand Lodge materials, not um, any man's opinion. So, and anywhere, Brandon, if yeah. you want a copy of the questions that
0: were asked directly yeah. to you, I'll be more than happy to get them to you. Just send me a message, it's by the yeah. way. So
2: yeah, we'll, we'll we'll go through this, we'll go through some other things that um, I feel we didn't get to tonight but anyway, uh, next week will be a good uh, walk through and recapping of this debate, so um, in the meantime if you have anything else uh, throughout the week send us a message, send us an email whatever, and we'd like to address it um, if we could still have that awesome interaction, so again, uh, it's been late, so this is the Tag You're It podcast I'm Ray Ray, and I'm Dave and Soli, and Gloria